Hello everyone, welcome or welcome back to Emblem Podcast. My name is Abby and I'm the host and this week we are going to be chatting all about the importance of your environment and how we are products of our environment. I did an episode with the same sort of base topic back in 2021, I believe, and I had an entirely different, the way I was talking and discussing it, it was different than the way I'm discussing it today. So two different episodes on the same thing and also you know that was three years ago basically at this point so I have some new fresh perspectives and I just have more I want to say on the topic and I'm sure if you listened to that episode in 2021 I know you don't probably remember what we talked about on it so just a little disclaimer that yes I have talked about this before but I am talking about it in a new light with some new perspective this week but I'm really excited to talk about it just because it's something that has just, it's been one of those things that's been on my mind a lot lately. And I don't know about you all, but when I go through seasons of life and when I go through change, I always feel like there's, you know, themes that kind of just stick out in my thoughts a lot and things that are kind of constantly on my mind. And one of the things that's been on my mind a lot lately has, and really I'd say even over the last like year and a half with me working my corporate job, but then also now, now that I've quit and I'm going through like this transitional period, it's something that's been on my mind equal amounts of time in both of those kind of phases of life in a way. So it's just something that I really wanted to talk about because I think that we kind of go through the motions and we grow up with knowing certain things and we grow up and we have our own habits and everything and we have habits with so much of our day-to-day lives and routines that there's so much that we subconsciously keep around that we maybe don't need to keep around and there's so much that we maybe don't kind of open ourselves up to that we should open ourselves up to and I think a lot of it is just because we get used to the environment that we are in or we have an environment that we've lived in for so long that we kind of just always keep the same things in our life in a way. So it's kind of a different perspective um, in this episode, like I said, compared to what I was talking about in 2021. When I say environment, it is all encompassing. It's not just your physical environment. It means so, so much more than that, which we will dive into. But before we get started, y'all know I like to start out with a quote, goal, and gratitude. And this week, the quote comes from none other than Pinterest itself, per usual. And if you're wondering, I do always have all of my quotes on my words for thought board on Pinterest if you follow me on Pinterest but I did want to go ahead and say actually before I get into the quote I meant to say this right before we started the quote I know that I was doing monthly reset episodes since gosh September October maybe in 2023 and I kind of decided I wanted to start doing them monthly I have pivoted and I've been the for January and for February I'm actually doing them on my YouTube channel, which if you didn't know, which I feel like majority, probably like 90% of the those of y'all who listen to the podcast, you watch my YouTube videos or that's where you found me from or found this podcast from. I just saying for the other 10% of people maybe or however many people it is, I have, I am still doing reset content. It is just in video form on my channel. And the reason why I made that change and pivoted was because I got a doodle planner for 2024 from Amanda Rach Lee. And it's been so much fun because it's kind of a preset doodle journal in a way, bullet journal, but it's also a planner. 
And I've just been having so much fun with it because there's themes each month and I get the color it in. There's habit trackers, mood trackers. And in January, I filmed me setting it up for the month and I did the same thing for February. But I also included, you know, my January recap, my February goals, and also included um, kind of just setting up my doodle journal for February and my TBR list. So if you are missing that reset content, just know it didn't go anywhere. It's just on a different, uh, or it's in a different form. But I wanted to do video just because with having a physical planner for the first time in years, it just made more sense with me sharing those monthly updates. I don't want to sit here and talk about this beautiful planner. I want to show it. You know what I mean? So, and it's honestly been such a fun out of my comfort zone video to start doing on my channel because it's something I haven't really done on my channel before. And that's kind of what I'm leaning in toward, into now that I'm doing content creation full-time. I'm loving doing videos that are outside of my comfort zone and doing things that I'm not used to doing on my channel because it's, you know, creating, it's it's allowing me a lot of creative freedom and it's, it's continuously inspiring me because if I just do the same thing over and over again, I, you know, I get very bored. So I like to switch things up a little bit. So if you're missing the reset content, that's where it is. But my quote for this week comes from Kevin Hearn and it's on Pinterest and it says, the universe is exactly the size that your soul can encompass. Some people live in extremely small worlds and some live in a world of infinite possibility. And I love this quote for this week's episode specifically, but I also just love it in general. I mean, I think that it's it speaks volumes with how we perceive things and what our mindset is and how our mindset can impact the way we perceive things. You know, if you it says the way your the size that your soul can encompass and i know that that's probably a little bit deeper than just your mindset but i think that based on the environments you're in so whether that's the physical city you live in the physical state you live in uh, the state of your home the job you're in and working the people you're surrounding yourself with your family your friends your relationship all of those things impact our environment and we're going to be talking about all of those and our world we can perceive to be is very small or our world we can perceive to be you know full of opportunity infinite possibility like the quote says and I don't think that our environments exclusively influence those things or that our environments are exclusively influenced by those things but I do believe that they have a very, very big influence on how we are seeing our own world based on the company we keep and based on, you know, the job we're working, where we live, all that good stuff. So I just thought that that quote was really a good eye opener and kind of really did go hand in hand with what we're talking about this week. My goal this week is to get my night routine in order just because I have... I don't know what's happened. I guess it's just all the change and all of the everything that's been going on with like getting married, going on our honeymoon and getting back. I've just completely abandoned any night routine that I ever did have. And I really want to get back into having, you know, a solid wind down routine and all that good stuff just to help me sleep better at the end of the day. And because I've had I've been having some issues with sleeping too. Like I just haven't been getting very restful sleep I guess you could say and it's been a little bit difficult because it's obviously been wearing me out and when I go through seasons of change even though I'm like not doing near as much as I was when I was working my full-time job there are I'm, I'm feeling just as tired <laughs> in ways and it's because you know it's it's a season of transition and it's changed and I'm I have a new routine and I'm trying to you know work through all of that and really I'm using like a whole other part of my brain now which is crazy because, you know, I was being a tax accountant. It's just obviously so 
niche and analytical and really using my analytical skills like all day long. And I would always, I remember in busy season, just at the end of a lot of my days, I would just feel so utterly drained and my brain would just hurt from how much I was having to use my analytical side, especially because I feel like I'm somebody who is very 50-50 kind of split between analytical and creative. And now I'm leaning so heavily on the creative side with doing content creation full time. So it's been just a big brain switch. So I'm I'm feeling a level of mental exhaustion that I haven't felt before just because I'm, I went from one end of the spectrum with what my brain was doing all day to the other end. And it was kind of a quick switch. You know what I mean? So it's been exhausting in its own way. I'm not sitting here saying it's as hard as my corporate job because it absolutely is not, but it's hard in its own way. And it's something I have to get acclimated to. And I think that I've done a very, very good job of maintaining my morning routine with this change. I'm still, you know, going to my 6.30 a.m. workout class and starting my work day with everything I have to do under my content creation umbrella, starting all that by 9 a.m., really treating it like a job. And I, I mean, it is a job. I need to stop discounting it because, I mean, it's, it's literally a job. It's just not what people tend to call a job or think of when you say job, but I have done a very good job with the morning routine, but the night routine I am struggling with. I've been bad about staying on my phone at night. I really want to read more because I really haven't read since our honeymoon, which has been almost a month now. And I really want to finish Air of Fire so badly in the Throne of Glass series because I'm only like 15% of the way into it. But the last two times I've picked it up, I've just fell asleep within reading like two or three pages of it. So it helps me sleep when I read before bed, but it's hard because that's, I feel like that's the only time I typically do read. And when it helps me fall asleep more quickly, it's like I only get like three pages in at a time. But I really want to finish the book because I'm wanting to read, I think it's the, is it the Dune Brothers? No, Kane Brothers. Why am I like having all, Dune and Kane? Those are like, I don't know where I'm getting this from. I think it's the Kane Brothers series. Let me look. No, 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 no. Wait, is that the series? Yes, that's okay. The Kane Brothers book series by Megan Quinn. So it's a four series, three series book thing. And I have all the physical copies and y'all know I used a Kindle, but I have the physical copies because I was sent it in PR last year and I was sent it around Valentine's Day and they're just, you know, romance books. But with it being Valentine's Day soon, I don't know why I'm like sitting here acting like I can read four four books in like a month as if I've ever really done that before um I've come close to it but I haven't necessarily read four in a month so I really want to read them though just because with the vibe of Valentine's Day I I don't know I kind of want to read them and I was talking about it in my monthly reset video and it was like should I just pause Air of Fire and like read these while I can because I don't see myself finishing Air of Fire and starting those before Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day is in 10 days from when I'm recording this so I don't know. Um, I'm just wanting to get back into reading more and set up my evening routine better and just take better care of myself in the evenings and actually unwind and not work late like I know I was talking about in last week's episode. So that's definitely my goal for this week and my gratitude. I am just trying to see the positive in everything right now, like making a conscious effort to do so, which I talked about on my Instagram story. We've been having literally since we got back from a honeymoon, we've had something break or go wrong at our house every single week if not two things a week and it's been exhausting absolutely exhausting to deal with and that's part of the reason why I think I've abandoned my evening routine is because during the day I'm trying to rush through everything I need to get done 
content creation wise, because I know when my husband gets home in the evening, we're trying to discuss what we're going to do with all of these things that are breaking and we're trying to, you know, fix them ourselves to the extent we can and all that good stuff. And it's just a lot. Um, the first week we were back from our honeymoon, Texas had really cold weather and a freeze. Our pipes froze for like three days, two days, something like that. Um, thank, thankfully I'm very, very thankful because I know that this is not always the case. We did not have any pipes burst or any leaks or anything. And I am beyond thankful for that because I was very stressed about it for the days that it was frozen. I was very worried what was going to happen once we cut the water back on or how long the pipes were going to be frozen. So I was very thankful everything was okay with that, but it was, you know, a little hiccup when we got back. And then the week after that, um, we had a torrential downpour for basically three and a half days straight here in Houston and our wind, which we live in like a 50, 60 year old townhouse for reference, but it's been renovated and redone. Like our, our downstairs is pretty modern and, um, you know, our, everything's, everything's like slightly updated, I guess you could say. But what hasn't been updated are the windows and doors. And, you know, we have like the windows and doors that are totally not energy efficient at all. And they're not double paned or anything. So you can like literally hear everything through them and all that. But anyways, have the torrential downpour. Um, and our patio door, which we've known we needed to get replaced, but we didn't really think it was something we'd have to jump onto quickly. And we thought that we could kind of take our time with getting it replaced um, our, a lot of water got in the house. Not a lot. That makes it sound like it flooded, but water was getting in through the patio door because it's not sealed properly at all. And we can't even shut it because it's just so the frame has settled so much and we got it. We had somebody come out and like fix the door because we couldn't before it would get stuck and we like couldn't open it, couldn't shut it. And we just had people came and literally like shaved our glass door down, which when I've said that to the other window people who have came and been giving us quotes for the patio door replacement this past week they looked at me like I was crazy and I'm like I didn't tell them to do it they did it themselves like I didn't tell them to shave the door down but that's what they did to make it work and everything was fine for six months and then before we knew it it was we couldn't get it shut again like it takes us 30 minutes to get it to actually fully shut properly and obviously we don't want it to not be fully shut because then air just leaks out you know bugs can get in all that good stuff but rain can get in but so we haven't been using our patio door at all the last like eight months and haven't been using our patio either basically and the patio door is one side of it um a lot of water gets in when it rains just because it's not like super level on our patio either and it's almost like water just gets caught in the corner and can't really escape and we have like the gutter things that take them out from the corner but it's not enough when it's you know a torrential downpour And so water was getting in, but then our baseboard is cracking from the water damage that's connected to the patio door and the crack like got a lot bigger. So we're like, okay, this probably needs to be taken care of sooner rather than later because we also don't want it to get like moldy and all that good stuff. So, or all that bad stuff, I guess I should say. So that happened and I'm like, all right, we're going to start having people out to get some quotes. First quote we got was $10,000 and I was like, you're freaking kidding me for a replacement door and frame and it it was basically to do like an exact replacement of the door we have and then I was like okay can we look at like a cheaper material like we don't need to do aluminum let's do vinyl or something and they're like "Eh, we don't recommend vinyl because of how hot it gets in Houston and everything can get warped in time and I'm like I'm not going to be here in probably five or ten years honestly because it's a two-bedroom place I assume we're going to have kids by then god willing 
and we won't be in this place anymore. So I don't totally care if that's an issue 10 years down the road. Um, but trying to look at other things and we got another quote and it was a lot better. So which the first people were totally going to rip us off because the second people were going to use the same door supplier and the quote was like four grand cheaper. So that was insane. Um, I'm that if you take any advice from this episode, honestly, um, when you own a home, get more than one quote from people for whatever it is. Um, and so that happened with patio door. And then this week, because this is the third week we've been back, I think, um, which also our water pressure in our sink after the freeze and our kitchen sink was not normal. So we were watch- washing our dishes with like barely bare water, basically, which was very frustrating. But all that to say, um, this week happened and we had another stormy night and or actually this was last week when end of last week when this happened and we realized our windows upstairs were leaking water um because we heard it it woke us up in the middle of the night because we heard a really loud constant drip and we were like what is that because it sounded too loud to be outside and then we take our shutters off our window and our master and we're like oh my god there is so much water leaking from the top of the window frame so we don't know if it's a roof leak um, we had the HOA maintenance people, they came out and they caulked the window because they were like, oh, that should fix it. Um, we had more rain two nights ago, middle of the night, what happened? Same thing happened again, so they did not fix it. So we don't know if it's a roof issue, if it's a window issue, which we're not responsible for our roof, our HOA is, thankfully, but if it's window related, we have to replace the windows. And it's hard because we don't want to throw 10 grand into this house when we know we're not going to be here forever. But it's not like it's something we can just not do because anytime it rains, you know, it's getting soaked and we don't want it to, because really like the wood is so soft at the top of the window frame be from all the water now. So it's just like, it needs to be replaced. And so does the patio door. It's not something we can, normally you would prioritize, okay, let's get the door done first and then do the windows. But when they're both happening at once, you're just like, oh my gosh. And it feels stupid to throw that much money into this place when we could just be saving that money for a different place, you know, in a couple of years or something. But it's not like we can just deal with leaking windows and a not sealed door <laughs> for three, four more years or whatever. However long, we don't know how long we're going to be here. So it's been very frustrating that on top of that, our dryer vent got blocked and now uh, that's all messed up. So it's been some fun stuff um, going on and we're having somebody, we tried to fix all of it ourselves with the dryer, but didn't work and um we tried to just take care of it ourselves with undoing the duct in the back because basically our dryer was just saying the vent was blocked and we were like okay well we thought it was a lint filter at first we were like there's no way it has to do anything with the lint filter because we clean it every single load and then I was like oh no it's the vent which is in the back so my husband took the vent off vacuumed it out and everything and our dryer vent since we're in an old townhouse it goes straight up and goes to the roof, which just the way gravity works and everything, it's just like, you know, that just isn't conducive to getting lint out and up, especially when there's squirrels on our roof and that could be like building nests and stuff and stuff can be getting in the vent. And I'm just like, this is a mess. So dryer's also not working. So it's just been a lot. But all of that to say, I know I just complained for like five minutes. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to do that. Seriously, I'm very sorry. I totally did not mean to go into that much detail about everything, but long story short, (laughs) everything's, there's just been something going wrong every week. And I just really was getting very bogged down by it because I was like, I'm not able to 
do the things that I'm wanting to do um, at the end of the day when my husband gets home from work. You know, we had all these things we were wanting to sort through, like get our thank you notes done together. And we've been trying to like work on some financial related things together. And we're having to like put all those on pause because we've just been dealing with so much house stuff. And I just, it, it was getting very frustrating. I was getting very irritable because I was like, I feel like every time I have something that I need to do, something just comes up and like, with the house and like blocks me from doing it and it gets frustrating but all that being said I was trying to just shift my perspective and be like yes all these things are going wrong but how fortunate are we and how blessed are we to even you know have a roof over our heads to have a washer and dryer and just I don't know I just really tried to reframe my thinking because I can sit there and just dwell on how crappy all that stuff is and my feelings are valid with being frustrated that everything's breaking because anybody would be frustrated with those things you know what I mean but I can either, I can choose, I can dwell on how terrible all of that is and get pissed off and angry and let it ruin every single day that I'm having to deal with it, which has been basically three weeks straight at this point. Or I can just say, you know what, this is part of being a homeowner. Does it suck that we can't just call up maintenance like we could when we were renting? Yes. But how fortunate are we to own our own home, to have a roof over our head, um, and to even just be in a position where we can replace, we probably can't replace both of these things right now, but be able to replace at least one of them. So I am thankful for those things. And I'm trying to just remember to, you know, in those moments where things just feel so chaotic, so stressful, and there's just a lot going on, just pausing and reflecting and just taking a second to appreciate everything you do have can do wonders for you mentally. And I'm not saying to invalidate the struggles you do have and that you're going through, more so just acknowledging that, you know, they're happening and they're inevitable and that they do suck. They're, they they suck and you're allowed to say they suck. But you can totally approach the way you react to the suckiness two different ways. And you can let yourself, you know, sulk in the suckiness. Or you can just say, you know what? This does suck, but I am thankful at the end of the day. So that's my gratitude for this week. And I thought that being intentional and saying that that was my gratitude would help me really focus on the fact that, you know, we are grateful for what we do have instead of being upset about what's not working. So yeah, but let's go ahead and get into the episode. So like I was kind of talking about earlier with the intro, as we grow up, we do tend to form habits when it comes to the kind of company we keep, the state we keep our home in, our workspace, where we live, where we work, how we work, who we work with. And one thing I've noticed about my mid-20s and especially after graduating college and entering the working world is how so many of us miss out on optimizing our well-being through our environment because we naturally settle with what we're accustomed to if we never take the time to reflect on our own environment. There are so many areas of life that we adapt as we go th- that we adapt to as we go through life. So, why wouldn't maintaining our environments be one of those things that we also assess and reflect on and change as needed? I just feel like it's one of those areas of life that gets kind of neglected when it comes to optimizing our well-being and looking at ways that we can improve our well-being we don't I I know that sometimes the environment we have and the people we keep our or the people we surround ourselves with it comes into the conversation but I just don't feel like it's reflected on enough like you may only do it once every now and then like very 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 periodically but it's something that I think if you're constantly reflecting on and assessing and just adapting it can really help your well-being a lot more. And it's just one of those areas where the room for improvement is 
I mean, full of opportunity, I guess you could say. So I think that there are, you know, I wanted to talk through five kind of key environmental areas that I think are key when it comes to sort of auditing our environment and reflecting on our environment and looking at ways we can improve our environment so that our well-being can also be improved. And with each of these five things, I think if you can ask yourself, what steps can you realistically take to make your environment more accommodating to your values and your goals and your preferences? It can really help you reflect on your environment and make those changes as needed. And the very first one is the workplace as an environment. And I I don't know about you all, but, and this, I will also say this with the next point I make, but who you surround yourself with absolutely influences who you are and who you become as a person. I had a teacher in high school when I was in 10th grade and I was taking AP biology and he was brand new to the school. And one of the first things he ever said to our class, which I still remember to this day was, you know, you are the sum of the three people you spend the most time with. And at the time, you know, as a gosh, what was I 15? I didn't really I kind of heard it and it didn't go in one year, not the other, but I just kind of didn't really see how it was truly something that was manifesting in my own life. I, I could believe it, but I was like, I don't really see that in my own life just because, you know, I felt I felt like I had a, a good variety of friends and a, a good variety of like personalities and everything. So I was like, I don't really feel like I'm a sum of like three people I spend the most time with because it was just kind of like I have a bunch of you know, different friends who I feel like I'm a different person with all of them almost because I just tend to reflect my personality of the person I'm spending time with. Um, But all that being said, I just didn't really, I don't know, I didn't really soak it in. And now that I'm older, I I do see how that is absolutely true. It's one of those things you can really, really see in hindsight. Like I, I know I hung out with different kind of groups of people my freshman and sophomore year versus like my junior and senior year. And all were great, I mean, great times overall for all four years of high school, but I can absolutely see a difference in who I was hanging out with in the later years versus the earlier years. It totally impacted the way I felt about myself, the way I was in my friendships, how I was performing in school. And all of those were things that I couldn't see in the moment, but in hindsight, I can see now. And the same is true like when you're in college, you know, who you're surrounding yourself with. But in the workplace, it's also true. So I know I even heard somebody, I don't remember who I was talking about this with, when it was, because everything from my two years in Big Four is an absolute blur. But I remember in some kind of webinar or something, I want to say, and I don't know if it was through my firm or if it was somebody external to the firm talking about it, but they were saying, you know, if you're wanting to stand out as a high performer and, you know, you have these big career goals and you want to be at like the top of your start class and everything and you really you know you want the early promotions you want the great performance reviews yada 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 hang out around other high performers and they were talking about how pre-covid it was the way this manifested in reality was you know you would if you saw somebody sitting with who you sat next to at the office you know you could sit next to the person that likes to, you know, chat around with everybody and maybe doesn't get as much done and you're likely probably going to do the same thing. Or, you know, you can sit next to somebody who you're able to like soak up a lot from, learn a lot from, be a sponge around and, you know, they're very, very serious about your work and you're probably going to be influenced to be the same way. 
And if, you know, you're trying to stand out as a high performer in your workplace, shadowing in a way and hanging out with other high performers is a great way to kind of get that influence on yourself and so that you can, you know, go after the same thing. But on the other end of that, something that was so common in Big Four and public accounting in general, whether you're Big Four or not really, um, just in the accounting industry. And this is, I know this is true across all professions because all professions have their pain points. And I feel like as adults, um, we like to commiserate for the sake of feeling less alone and for the relatability of it. And commiserating and my big four job, that was such a thing. And sometimes it just got to be too much for me because I was like, yes, this sucks that we're working really long hours. Yes, this sucks that I've been at the office for 12 hours. All of these things do suck. But the more we sit here and talk about how much they suck, I would always be okay. Like I could take a little bit of it a day. But when it, when it, that was the mood of the whole day, it just was so hard for me mentally because I was like, this is putting me in an even worse state than I'm already in. And who I surrounded myself with, you know, the people who liked to like, because for example, I worked on one team and we would go in the office quarterly. And when we would go in, that I had I had a day where I was at the office for 14 hours and that was just how it was and if I would have been it, it's just crazy I mean in hindsight it's crazy to think I even did that but who I'm there with obviously makes a huge difference and you can spend those 14 hours commiserating over the fact that you're having to do that or you know you can do your best to keep a positive attitude and make the most of it and don't get me wrong I have absolutely had a horrible attitude about it at times because sometimes you just can't help it and we're all going to have different outlooks and different attitudes when it comes to those things and I remember my senior manager she just stands out in my mind because she was always just good about kind of making the most of our time there she wouldn't really you know remind me of the fact that we had been there so long and wouldn't remind me of the fact that we were doing all of that for so long because she would just talk about other things you know she'd ask about my dog about planning the wedding and all of those things were just it was just helpful during that time and I think that you know who you're spending your time with in the workplace can make a difference but I'm not sitting here saying oh I'm not somebody who likes to commiserate because trust me I loved it I loved the camaraderie that came with commiserating because it felt good to know that you weren't the only one going through the cruelties of busy season and it felt good to commiserate over those things but in hindsight I can just see what an impact, you know, my senior manager had on my mood on those days because that that's not necessarily going to be true of just any team that I would have spent 14 hours in the office with. Like I could spend 14 hours in the office with one team and then 14 hours in the office with another team and how I feel at the end of it could be wildly different just based on who I'm spending my time around. But obviously I can't necessarily help that because it's my team. But I'm saying this from a positive perspective that the team I had with that group or that team in general, they were great. So it did never, the 14 hours never really felt like 14 hours. And that's just a blessing. And it's because of, you know, who I was spending my time around. So going off of that, I was, you know, molded and influenced so much by my seniors and the people who are above me. And as new grads, especially, when you're entering the workforce, you know, you soak up the effort and the energy from the people above you and around you. So it's something that's really important to remember as, you know, you get older and you kind of climb the ladder. If you're in that kind of a job structure where you're kind of climbing a corporate ladder or where you're getting promoted, 
a lot in your early career, it's something that's important to remember. And as you're, you know, getting people under your wing, how much of an influence you have and can have on those people's well-being underneath you and on their overall outlook of their job and of their mood. And I, I've said it in my some of my TikTok videos where I've talked about quitting my big four job. I would not have lasted a full two years. I would have had to have left way sooner if it wasn't for the people I worked with because I truly worked with such amazing people and they made a world of a difference. And, you know, there were some teams I didn't mesh as well with, but that's, I was able to, you know, kind of switch teams when that was the case because of where I was at anyways with where how long I had been there and everything. So ultimately, I think that not only when you think about it from a coworker perspective, from the people you're kind of on the same page as, but when you also think about it from the perspective of, you know, being a leader and modeling the behavior that you would want to receive underneath, like if you were a new grad entering the workforce, you know, what would, what, what's something that you wish you would have, what, like whether it's support or, you know, a mindset that somebody helped you develop or I don't know, just any things that you could do as a senior and as somebody that's in charge of other people or above other people, what are some things you could do to be a leader and model what you would have wanted at their age, I guess, or at their, that step in their career. And as an action step for kind of assessing your environment and improving your well-being through your environment when it comes to the workplace, you know, think about the people that you're, if you're in an office, think about the people that, you know, you spend most of your time with. And if it's somebody you enjoy spending your time with, just think about how you can, you know, maybe make their day better just by bringing a more positive attitude on the days that you have the capacity to do so. Because not every day that's going to look the same. You're not going to be able to give bring the same positive attitude every single day into the office. But on those days where you're like having a great day and you're feeling a lot better, let that energy be contagious and, you know, influence your environment by bringing that positive energy to the table. Because there's going to be days where you don't feel like bringing the positive energy to the table and you're going to wish somebody else was. So, you know, other people do pick up on your energy, I guess is what I'm saying. And that's a good action step item you can think of for this to make your environment more accommodating to your, you know, values and your goals and your preferences. And same thing with being a leader and modeling the behavior you'd want to receive um, if you were at that person below you's level. And I, th- I thought of when I got promoted to senior, I thought about it a lot. You know, what things that, what, what support did I not have as a staff that I wish I would have had? And, or what were some things that some of my seniors did really, really well that I really appreciated as a staff? And how can I carry that through um, to the people below me once I become a senior? And like, what things do I want to change? Because ultimately all of that is going to influence the experience, the work experience you're having and the work experience that your team's having people under you are having, which ultimately is your workplace environment. So the second thing is the company you keep when it comes to friendships and relationships. So like I said, um, with that quote of you are the sum of the people, you, the three people you spend the most time with, this is typically those three people will be, you know, either friends or somebody you're in a remote romantic relationship with. And I think, you know, stopping and asking yourself when it comes to like your friendships and your relationship with family members even, or your romantic relationship, asking yourself, you know, do they lift themselves and other people up? Or are they, you know, usually putting others, people and themselves down? Are they self-deprecating? Do they support you and your goals? Or are they kind of passive and absent when it comes to supporting you and your goals? Do they offer you a new perspective on things? Do 
do you like who you are when you spend time with them? Um, do you like who they influence you to be when you spend time with them? Asking yourself all of those questions can really help you get a good idea of how those different relationships you have in your life are impacting your well-being and your environment. And ultimately, you know, I, with my experiences in relationships romantically and in friendships, I have, it's just crazy to look back. I mean, just on, when I go all the way back to like elementary school friendships even and middle school friendships and then high school friendships, college friendships, I can see the times when I've been in friendships where I've been, you know, with friends who are very supportive and very actively supportive, you know, and friends who are going out of their way to lift others up. They're not, you know, constantly gossiping about somebody or something and, they're overall just making an effort to lift others up and obviously we're all human we're all going to gossip we're all going to talk about people when we shouldn't be and everything we're all going to be have our days where we're a little self-deprecating and we're not in the best state but overall you know they make that effort to support you and be you know a supporter of your goals and the things in your life and I can just see such a difference in the person I was in those phases of life in hindsight based on who I was close with so with some of my friends and friendships, you know, there were times where maybe I had friendships where it was one of us was kind of insecure, going through a hard time, and it impacted me in the same way. Like I, I kind of ended up dealing with the same things in a sense, or they ended up dealing with the same things that I was because we were spending a lot of time together. And if both of us were, you know, very self-deprecating and we were really hard on ourselves and we weren't really lifting others up or lifting ourselves up it just kind of was contagious and when I look back on relationships as well the same thing is true when especially when I think back on times that I was friends with very confident people or when I was dating somebody that was just very confident it just always seemed to have a domino effect especially when I look at it in hindsight for the things that I felt confident doing and how I felt and the things I was able to even accomplish based on who I was surrounding myself with and how they influenced me. Because there were also relationships and friendships where the person I was with was maybe more of an insecure person and they maybe weren't as encouraging or uplifting because they weren't really in a place where they felt they could do that. Or I was just picking up on that same insecure energy almost I don't like to call it insecure energy because that just sounds so I don't know but you get what I'm saying there I can just see a stark difference between who I have grown into and become when I've surrounded myself with more uplifting encouraging and supportive people versus people who may you know deep down because they're in an insecure space they may be projecting their insecurities on me or there may be some jealousy and I've even been the person in situ in friendships like that before so I'm not sitting here saying like oh everybody's you know jealous of me whatever no I'm not saying that I'm saying there have been times I mean even just in like middle school so like over very you know petty stuff kind of growing up I've experienced it but then you know I've also been that person as well there were times you know where I was jealous that I had friends or I was envious of friends who where you know so naturally good at sports or so naturally good at a specific subject and I had to get to a place where I could not view that as something that was threatening to me but as something to celebrate you know like I'm so proud of my friend for 
being so good at something they love or being so good at this subject they're really interested in, whatever. But obviously that's something that not that's not like an innate mindset. We're not all born with the ability to just immediately be supportive in that sense. Some of us have to sort of reframe our mindset and get to a place where we are able to see things that way rather than perceiving everything as a threat to ourselves. So I have just seen, I've been on both sides of it and I, you know, always want to be and what I have aspired to be, I'd say in the last, you know, five, 10 years of my life, I've tried to be the friend that is, you know, very supportive and encouraging you to go after the dreams you have and the things you want. I want to be that person that my friends feel that they can come to, to dream with and dream big with and not feel belittled or not be put down and just really feel like the sky is the limit when talking with me because I know what it feels like to have friendships where you feel belittled when you're trying to express your dreams or you feel silly for even thinking you can do something because somebody else is there putting you down or maybe they're not even actually putting you down but they are passively not supporting you which is you know also putting you down just not in an active manner so it's just really crazy for me to see in hindsight and I'm sure if all of you just pause and like think of the relationships you've been in and the friendships you've had if there's been friendships you've had where you know maybe you were gossiping a lot more and maybe you noticed that your mental health just wasn't as good when you were friends with those people because you were constantly like tearing others down and you weren't you know lifting others up and when you lift other people up you're more likely to lift yourself up as well but when you're constantly tearing yourself down you're probably gonna be tearing other people down and vice versa so you can probably see in hindsight and same thing with relationships you know there's probably relationships you've been in or maybe not I don't know but I know I've been in relationships situationships where the other person's just not secure in relationships and it's impacted my ability to fully be myself in a relationship and be able to be my own person in a relationship if that makes sense so I notice a world of a difference in terms of like okay so with my husband for example He is a very confident man. Of course, he has insecurities, but he overall has just very confident energy and he's just a confident person. And he's one of those people who's like, I'm not going to change who I am to please people around me. And I, I think I was just so drawn to that when I met him because I've always been the type of person to change who they are in order to appeal to other people and to make other people happy. And he's, you know, always himself no matter who he's around and that was always very attractive to me and he with him being such a confident person it's brought me out of my own shell so much and helped me believe in myself so much and of course there's you know insecurities that we both have and everything but those are things that we work through together but overall just speaking in terms of who I surround myself with when it comes to relationship he I feel like is just it's been a big difference because I have been in relationships where maybe the guy isn't as confident and it impacted me in a way but not necessarily a direct correlation like obviously there's so many other variables and factors at play when it comes to your self-esteem and confidence with what you're going through in life and everything but overall I mean with being with my husband now for over six years which obviously not married that long, but y'all y'all know that we've been dating <laughs> for over six years and maybe you don't. So if you're new here, we've been together over six years. I can see in hindsight that his confidence has impacted me in such a positive way from surrounding myself with him over the last six years because it's helped me just feel more confident to 
unapologetically be who I am. And if I was with somebody that wasn't the way that way, I would probably be, you know, keeping myself in a bubble because I wouldn't feel comfortable, you know, fully stepping into my own and being who I am to everybody. And I'm slowly getting like on the path of just being who I am, no matter who I'm around or who I'm with and not trying to appeal and appease everybody. But a good action step you can take here with the company that you keep with friendships, relationships, family members, you know, once again, just take inventory of who you're surrounding yourself with and ultimately how your emotions are when you're with those people, you know, are, is it a situation where you're gossiping a lot and don't get me wrong, we all gossip. And I think there's a big difference between gossiping and like truly talking bad about somebody. Cause like, you know, sometimes gossiping is just talking about things that like actually did happen and they may not have been in your life. Um, so it's like, you know, you're speaking facts about things that did happen, but then there's a difference between that and truly just tearing somebody down and talking bad about them, whether that's on social media or in real life, whatever it may be. Ultimately, if you can avoid those types of friendships, relationships, whatever it is that really just thrive off of that constant negative energy, especially if it is more of a constant thing, trust me, your mental health and your overall well-being will be so much better without that. I definitely had, I mean, part of growing up, you know, you go through different friend groups and everything. And there were friend groups I was in where some like gossip maybe more than others. And I just, the the person, I didn't like the person I was when I was with those groups because, you know, you can try and not say anything as much as you want. But ultimately when you're around that so much, it will it will start to sink into you as a habit to also do if you're surrounding yourself with it enough. And you know, that, that's just not productive at the end of the day. It's focusing more on other people. And a lot of the times it's not nice things. So I think that keeping that in mind, I'm not sitting here saying, you know, oh, never ever gossip again and find people who are only positive. No, that's not what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Sometimes there are friend groups or friendships that really just the, the bond is formed over the gossiping and that's just not something that's going to be really great for you at the end of the day. And, you know, or with the, the other people, with the people you're surrounding yourself with is, do you find them or yourself, you know, going out of your way to support and uplift others or compliment others? Um, are you being positive and supporting your friends in their careers or in whatever their hobbies are, ventures, their goals, their dreams? And, you know, if you're around somebody and you're always feeling like, kind of belittled by them or you're feeling like you can't fully be yourself you know that may be something to just really sit and think about for a minute and just ask yourself you know why that may be and what you can do to kind of either get to a place where you can undo that or just assess assess if it's the right situation for you to be in or not and the third place is social media the third environment so I think one thing that I always say is how important, I always harp on this, it's so important to consume contents from and follow people who inspire you because it can truly just be so, so beneficial to really fine tune your social media to mostly be filled with people who are inspiring you and uplifting you in some way, shape or form. And you can really get addictive, addicted, like one, to social media, but on within social media there's you know you can have those negative interactions and you can have positive interactions and 
based on how you interact with content, you know, are you uplifting others on social media or are you putting others down on social media? And ultimately, you may be chasing this sort of dopamine hit that you get from, it it just may make you feel better about yourself to tell somebody else something negative because it you're displacing it and you're taking it out of your own life and you're kind of just harping on somebody else instead of yourself or you know you can uplift other people and then that will you know maybe make their day and then it kind of has a domino effect and then they're gonna feel inspired and uplifted and want to compliment somebody else as well and I think that you know you can kind of have two different interactions on social media and two different experiences on social media just one based on who you're following and two just based on the type of consumer you are of content and I think a good action item here is to you know maybe mute or unfollow people who lead you into not so great places mentally so maybe there's some influencers you follow and you constantly find yourself comparing yourself to them and every time you see content from them you're just kind of you don't really feel inspired. You almost just feel like you're not good enough and that, you know, you just are maybe envious or maybe you're just constantly comparing. And that isn't necessarily their fault. More than likely, most times it's not their fault at all. And it's more so something that you have to work on within yourself. But, you know, you're not obligated to follow people. And if it if it's somebody you maybe personally know, you don't have to totally unfollow them you can just mute them and then you won't see their content anymore and on the flip side of that an an action item you can take is people who do inspire you that you do enjoy seeing content from so for example I'm somebody who's I'm kind of like a ghost watcher I guess of content a lot of times like I don't comment on a lot of stuff on Instagram TikTok or um, YouTube but especially on YouTube because a lot of times on YouTube I'm I have it on playing in the background while I'm cooking And that's really the only time I feel like I watch YouTube and sometimes when I'm doing laundry. So I'm never like at my keyboard, I guess you could say, but I've been trying to be better about when I am watching content to just go take that extra step and be encouraging and say something I enjoyed about the video or just say like, OMG, love this video or same thing with Instagram and TikTok. I'm trying to be better about if I like something, just saying it because that one kind comment can go so far and it makes me feel so good to be positive and uplifting to others. I genuinely have so much better of a day when I'm going out of my way to do things like that. So you can kind of look at both sides of that and look at, you know, your experience on social media. You can reflect on your experience with on, with, on social media and ask yourself, what people do I feel are not putting me in the best mental space? And how is, you know, how can I improve my social media environment? And You can do that by eliminating as much as a negative as you can and then just keep feeding into the positive. And sometimes it may not be inspiration per se that you're after on social media and it may just be something that's comedic relief even or just humorous. It doesn't have to be inspirational and engaging with as much of that positive content as possible. Obviously, the algorithm is going to pick up on what you like, but you know, if you're constantly interacting with things that are like very sad, you know, just depressing, that's probably going to be the type of content that you keep getting. And it's important to keep that in mind because it can kind of keep you in the same headspace. And if you're really trying to get out of that headspace, you know, you want to do your best to interact with as much of the positive as possible and 
clean your feed of as much of the negative as possible. And the fourth thing is your physical space. So for example, um, there are so many ways your physical space can impact your mental well-being and your mood and your physical environment in general. But with your physical space, there's, you know, so many physical spaces that we live in on a day-to-day. So we have, you know, our bedrooms, we have our bathrooms, we have our kitchen, we have our office, if we have a home office, or maybe we work in a classroom, or maybe we work in a corporate office. You have a bunch of physical spaces, and kind of asking yourself what you like in your physical spaces in order to be in your best headspace like if you take a take out all other variables and all other factors and you're only looking at the things that can influence that physical environment you're in what things make that environment more positive and uplifting and like bring you to a better headspace so one thing I always think of when I talk about this is natural light I am somebody that is very very heavily impacted in a positive way by natural light I love natural light and If that's the case for you, if you're the same way and you know you're going to be moving, make sure you prioritize that when you're moving because every, it's not like you have to have pay pay a premium for natural light necessarily. Like every home is going to have windows because that's, you know, that's the code. Like every room has to have a window basically. So when you're looking for a home or apartment or townhouse, whatever you're looking for, think about, you know, the direction that your home is facing. Is it going to get good natural light? Do not like natural light maybe and you like more of a dark and cozy environment but typically most people thrive from natural light just because of the vitamin d and what it does for us but when for example when we were looking at houses when we were touring homes and everything when we were buying back in late 2022 i the home we live in now i got really excited over the amount of windows that our place had downstairs and just the way it looked And I didn't even think about, just because I saw the amount of windows that were, I kind of instantly assumed, oh, plethora of natural sunlight. That's not always the case. I didn't really think about the direction that the home was facing. And I didn't think about the tree blockage because we have a lot of trees. And all of those things impact the amount of natural light we get. And as a result, this has definitely been the one home that, we've lived in that has had the least I mean out of all the apartments I've lived in since I graduate graduated like high school and have lived in college and everything this one is this home is probably the darkest naturally and it's definitely impacted me in not the best way but I try to just spend most of my time in the areas that do get better light so I like to sit in the corner of our living room that's right in between two windows because there tends to be a little bit more light there than on our couch per se. And then in the office, I don't really spend any time at all in our master bedroom because we have the shutters that came with the windows on the windows and they block out literally all of the light. But our office, we took the shutters off in here and um, hung curtains, but we can't really hang curtains in our master room because the window literally goes all the way to the corner of the wall, which I hate because then you can't really hang a curtain rod. So with that being said, our office truly gets the best light out of anywhere in the house. So I do all my work in here, but a lot of times I will film in here as well. And sometimes I will even sit on the guest bed in here just to hang out with Ella like during lunch or something just because it gets the best light. And 
another physical environment point to make is clutter versus no clutter. You know, what does your desk look like that you're working at? Do you have a ton of stuff on it? Does it make you feel mentally frazzled when you come and sit at your desk in the morning and start your work day? Or does it really not bother you? Do you like to have maybe a little bit of decor on your desk to make it more you and more inviting to you? Or do you like to have a totally clean desk space so that, you know, you are just totally blank slate? And you have to just really reflect on how your environment makes you feel. And I always, I've seen so many TikTok videos about people who, you know, grow up in a home that's super clean versus people who grow up in a home that had, where their parents just kind of like kept every little thing and it was very cluttered and a lot of junk. And how a lot of times the kids that grow up in the homes with all of the clutter and all of the hoarding and junk are the type of adults who don't want like any extra anything in their house and just like truly are very clutter free. And I definitely am somebody that does not like clutter. I think our things do get cluttered naturally and I find myself always trying to clean things out very frequently, but inevitably certain things do get cluttered. Like we do have a junk drawer and I try to like keep it as tidy as possible, but it doesn't always happen. And I am somebody that will be able to kind of coexist with clutter for a little bit, but then like one day I usually hit a breaking point. I'm like, all of this has to go immediately. So I like to try and keep as clutter free as an environment, physical environment as possible, just because it does impact my mental well-being a lot. I feel a lot. I, I feel like I can't focus when my area is cluttered. And I really, especially when I was working my big four job and even now, like when I'm sitting down to edit, I have to kind of straighten out my desk the night before I like just go to bed and everything at the end of my work day because I hate walking up to my desk and it being like all of yesterday's problems are still laying out or I'm just like reminded of the day before when if I leave everything untouched so I like to put things if I even if I'm not putting things away if I'm just kind of organizing them a little bit better it does a world of a difference for my headspace and some action items that you can do for your physical environment to kind of just make your overall well-being better. You can, if you don't have a lot of natural light, for example, something that we've been doing is getting more lamps. We put a little lamp in our kitchen and it's just like made it so much more cozy and brightened it up a little bit more, um, especially in some of like the darker corners. And we got a lamp to go in our living room that kind of brightens up one of the corners as well. And I have a lamp in our office so that at nighttime, you know, it's a lot more cozy and everything. And are there any touches that you can add to a space that makes it feel yours? Maybe it's adding a picture frame to your desk at your corporate job just to make it feel more personal and more homey to you. And is another thing that you could even think of is hiring someone to clean, um, like a some sort of cleaning service helpful. And does that fit in your budget? Is that something that would benefit your headspace a lot? Is the cost worth the benefit that you would gain from it? Because a lot of times I I was reading a um, thread on Reddit the other day and it was it was almost a year old, I think. So it was an older post, but it was this person was talking about how they got a, a maid service and a cleaning service, but I don't I didn't see how often they said they got it, but it sounded like it was pretty frequent. But they said one of the sort of just marginal benefits they got from hiring a cleaning service that they didn't expect was it kept them more on top of picking up their things and keeping things less cluttered because when they knew that people were coming to clean they would put things away and you know clean up clutter and they were doing that every week versus where they would only do that when they would be deep cleaning themselves before 
And I think that that's like such an interesting um, perspective because, I mean, that's not something I've done before, like had a cleaner or anything. So I'm like, wow, that's like actually really interesting that there's, you know, that extra motivation you get to kind of pick things up and that extra benefit that you maybe wouldn't have foreseen when you do have people coming to clean your home because you're like, oh, I want to get things put away so that they can do their cleaning to the best of their ability. So that's just like a random thing I wanted to share. But the very last environmental thing I wanted to talk about is where you live. And this is the first thing that comes to mind for me for this with your physical environment and how it kind of can impact you is living in a walkable area versus a car dependent area. And I always love reading about um, the whole like third place theory, like within communities and how college towns, you know, so many people get so nostalgic for college and, you know, really view college as such a special time in their life because it's likely for a lot of people, it's the only time that they're in a community where they're able to kind of walk to everywhere they need to go for the most part and all of their friends and the people they know are doing the same thing and I know that's not true for every college town but for a lot of college towns that is the case and I am somebody I get so 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 just bothered in Houston um Houston's gotta be some of the worst traffic in the U.S. if not up there at the worst um with it being the fourth largest city in the U.S. it's just crazy because you know there's there will literally be like eight lanes of traffic going in one direction and you're still at a standstill and it just doesn't even make sense. And I really don't like living in a car dependent city, to be completely honest. I mean, I love Houston. I love a lot of things about it, but I can say that the like not being able to walk anywhere is really, really, really tough. Um, I don't love it at all because being dependent on a car just isn't fun. And I think when you're in a walkable place, it's just, it creates more of a sense of community and obviously you get extra endorphins from the extra exercise you get from walking around. And I think that that's something that absolutely should be considered if you're ever in a position where you're, you know, maybe changing jobs and looking at somewhere new to move, or maybe you're graduating college and trying to figure out what city you want to live in. Think about if that matters to you or not. And if you grew up in a suburb, chances are, you know, you're used to the car dependency But if you kind of just grew up in a small town and you were able to walk a lot of places, this might not be the best, or even in just a walkable city, because there's plenty of cities that are bigger that are very walkable, like Boston and um, Seattle even. Um, There's lots of more walkable areas um, and cities. So definitely something to consider and going off of that climate. Climate is so huge. And if you're somebody that would be affected seasonally, by you know rainy weather cloudy weather cold weather whatever it may be that's also something to consider if you're able to have control over where you're living and I know it's totally easier said than done to just pick up and change your living circumstances and move to somewhere that fits what's going to be the best physical environment for you in terms of seasonally speaking but it is something to consider if you are in a position where you're looking for a new city to move in if you're changing jobs or if you're just in college looking for a post-grad city definitely think about those things because I know that you know on social media you see all of the highlights of a lot of the big cities and everything and you see a lot of people moving to one place or another but at the end of the day remember to think about what you really prioritize and what's important to you when it comes to 
the place you're living in and what things you really value because it's important at the end of the day and it absolutely does have an impact on your well-being. But those are the five environmental areas I wanted to talk about in this week's episode and I just really wanted to kind of, I guess, spark thought with them and hopefully help you all think about each of those areas in your life and see if there's any way once you reflect that you can maybe change some things to improve your environment in one of or any maybe even all of those areas so that you can really hopefully have a more positive impact on your overall well-being but that is all I have for you all for this week's episode be sure to leave a review because it helps the show out a lot and follow in bloom podcast on instagram it's always in the show notes and my YouTube channel. If you want more content from me, it's just Abby Aslan on YouTube. And my personal Instagram is always in the show notes as well. If you want to keep up on there for other content and more content as well, but I will talk to you all next Monday. Thank you so much for listening.